Welcome to Here She Stands, the podcast where Lutheran women from across Australia come together as a community, sharing stories and testifying to God's goodness. My name is Lexi and I'm a mama of four girls and the wife of a first-year pastoral student. And I'm Sonia, a Lutheran pastor's wife and mum of two kiddos. Together we have a desire to see each woman hold firm to the Word of God and say, Here I stand, I can do no other. Today we are going to be talking about the very important topic of our Lutheran confessions. What are they exactly? What is their purpose? And how do they apply to us today? Joining us from St. Louis in Missouri is Kim Pfeiffer. Kim is originally from Adelaide, but now studies at Concordia Seminary in the USA. She is married to Joshua, a pastor of the Lutheran Church of Australia, and he is studying his PhD at Concordia. And together they have four children. So Kim, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And of course, I'm also joined by my beautiful co-host, Sonia. So Sonia, welcome. Hello, thank you. It's great to be here. And it's great to chat to you, Kim, from across the world. Yes, it's nighttime here and I believe it's your morning over there. So yeah. um, good time for us both. So we're on three different time zones. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Somehow yeah. we've managed to all connect. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, let's jump into it. We would love to hear a little bit about you, Kim, before we get into the Lutheran Confessions. Where are you currently? Where are you from? What do you do? Tell us a little bit about your family. So we are currently in St. Louis. Uh, we live on campus at the Concordia Seminary here. It's um, a seminary of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. We have been here for now for about 18 months and we're going to be here for another academic year, which has just started here. My husband brought us over here so that he could work on his PhD. He's been a pastor in the church for over 10 years and he received a scholarship to study here and many things worked out well so that we could do this. And since we got here, somebody mentioned that I might be eligible for a scholarship as well and the International Student Scholarship, which I applied for. And so I began my Master of Arts in theology last year so I'm now halfway through the coursework and I've got one more year to go yeah so it's just one of those very fortunate right place right time God's good providence things so I'm very fortunate to get to learn under some really interesting people and my major is in systematics which is all about uh, what we believe and how all our beliefs fit together and yeah, and also I'm doing practical theology, which is focused on spiritual care and counselling. So sort of applied theology there. So yeah, so we've got four kids that we've brought over here and that's been full of ups and downs. And, you know, everyone now is quite settled, which is nice. It took a while to, you know, for everyone to make friends and find their place in a new culture, I guess, and community. But it's a nice place to live and we're doing well so we're also love Australia and looking forward to getting back there soon um our kids you know miss their family and all those things too so that's where we're at right now wow that sounds like quite a journey and I'm curious did you grow up Lutheran or did you grow up Christian even what was your journey Um, to where you are now (laughs) 
Yeah, so I've sort of had a journey, I guess. Um, I didn't grow up Lutheran. I was baptised in the Anglican Church and I spent some years in my childhood attending a uniting church and I would say I've always believed in God and considered myself Christian but my family certainly were not we didn't sort of have there was a few years where we went to church but my family sort of fell away from the faith and didn't yeah it was practicing the faith was not a a big part of their life and so um yeah I sort of had a bit of a journey of my own and Eventually, I went to a Lutheran school in year 10. I went to Concordia College in Adelaide in Unley. That was my first sort of encounter with Lutherans and I enjoyed the spiritual life of the school. I appreciated chapel and devotions and prayers. I appreciated how our teachers prayed for us. I thought that was just a beautiful thing, something that we didn't necessarily deserve and just received a lot of encouragement from this the community there. And so that with many other things, friends who are Christians and God's call, I guess, and the Holy Spirit working in me, eventually I found my way back to a Lutheran church, actually, just found the closest one to my house. And I had some friends going there and they were sort of involved in youth there, so connected in with them and eventually was guided into the faith by the pastor there and and then eventually I guess yeah I also knew my husband and we started dating eventually and I think the rest was history after that because we sort of yeah we were dating and he was considering going to the seminary so I guess we had to have a lot of serious conversations around that time as well. Yeah and you're both very passionate about the Lutheran church because he ended up a pastor and you're doing an episode with us on the Lutheran Confessions. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I guess like, uh, I mean, I know both of you didn't grow up in the Lutheran church and, you know, I think when you don't come from the same back, that background and you don't know everything, you kind of want to understand what you're getting into and, and yes. what the church believes. And so I guess, yeah, I started reading Lutheran theology and I'd sort of get handed all sorts of books and got interested in doctrine of grace, like what we believe about justification and baptism and, and all these things and the means of grace and the sacrament. And I guess that was important on my journey into the faith, you know, how God comes to us and brings his gifts in Christ to us. Um, that was yeah, important to me. So, yes. Yeah. So we've mentioned the word Lutheran confessions a few times. What are the Lutheran confessions and how did they come about? So the Lutheran confessions is sometimes also known as the documents that are in the Book of Concord. The Book of Concord is or the Lutheran Confessions that um, it was sort of put together when the Lutheran Church was established, I guess, back in the late 1500s, 1580, if you know the story of the Reformation. Martin Luther kicked it off with his 95 Theses and criticising um, some of the abuses in the Roman Church at the time. And it's quite a long story, I guess. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like after Luther had died, the church from Germany at the time was coming together and they needed to sort of share their faith. There was already sort of splits, I guess, in the, those who uh, kind of agreed with the Augsburg Confession, which was the big document that the Lutherans prepared to sort of defend themselves to confess their faith before the Roman church and to state what they believe. And so that was in 
fifteen thirty, and then it wasn't like another fifty years that the Book of Concord was actually put together, and that's like a series of documents, and they sort of come from lots of different parts of that story. So it includes the three ecumenical creeds, the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed and the Athanasian Creed, and they're sort of the creeds from the ancient church. And then it also includes the Augsburg Confession, which is probably the core doctrinal articles, I guess, of the Lutheran Church. And then there's the Apology, which is was a defence that was written by um, one of the writers, uh, Philip Melanchthon, and he wrote that after the Roman Church sort of presented this confutation, arguing back against some of the things that the Lutherans were saying. And then there's a couple of other, there's a few other documents, also the Small Code Articles, which is something by Luther, and then there's the Catechisms as well, so the Small and Large Catechism, which most people are quite familiar with, mm. and that was also by Luther. And then um, the Formula of Concords, the final document, which is when the Lutherans in Germany, they sort of made a little council with some key people and they just sort of tried to clarify much later in 1577 what the church was teaching and what they were confessing. So they're all kind of confessional documents in their own way. And so they've sort of been collated, I guess, and collected in this book so that they'll sort of serve different purposes and yeah, it's a big book. It is. It is. It's very big. And I think um, it's helpful to know how each document, how we write each of them so that you can kind of know where to put them and how to read them yeah. because they're sort of designed for different audiences. But, yeah. For our listeners that haven't read or heard about the story of Luther and the Reformation, I definitely recommend that you look it up. <laughs> we could even stick something in the show notes, like a video or an article or something. I'm sure yeah. there's a few movies around as well. And I guess um, the big thing also just to take home is that these are confessions of faith. And this is sort of what the church teaches, confesses, believes. And they've sort of put it all in a book to, you know, save confusion because in the church there's often... <laughs> debate and differing theological opinions on things so yeah, yeah it's actually it's such a blessing to have something like that isn't it not every denomination has something that they can look up and that unites them yeah well it's interesting too because this is sort of the first of its kind as well and um yeah it wasn't until like the council of trent that even the roman catholic church put something like this together to sort of yeah collect all of what they believe and this idea of having your confession written down in a book and even calling it that the co- a confession of faith um, a symbol book that's like the creedal form of the faith that was a new thing here and the first of its kind and and since then too like there are other similar kinds of documents with other church bodies that have sort of followed suit yeah Yeah. So if I'm remembering correctly, they had to write everything down simply because there was pressure on them to clarify what they believed because they were separating from the Catholic Church and they were disagreeing with some of the doctrines and practices of the Catholic Church. Well, I guess by the end they were, by 1580, um, that's definitely where they were at. But the Oxford Confession was not actually written as a split, like something, it was actually a confession of faith of what, like, so the Emperor Charles V, I think, um, he sort of called for the Lutheran princes and the theologians to come together and basically show what they were teaching in their churches. 
yeah, and so that's where the Augsburg Confession, so it was at Augsburg, which was where that was held, and that's how that one sort of came to be. So it's also quite creedal, I guess, in its form, which I think is a very important thing just to know about the Lutherans. Like we don't teach, you know, the Lutheran teaching is actually supposed to be reflective of the Word of God, of the Bible. The Bible is supreme rule and norm of the scriptures are the, the rule and norm of our faith. And so then the Book of Concord is just like an exposition of that faith. So, you know, in the Augsburg Confession, it starts off with who is God and sin, and then it goes into the doctrine about Jesus, his son. So sort of have that like first article of the creed, second article of the creed, and then you get into the third and you kind of have a whole, you know, articles on the church as well. So it's yeah. sort of they all have this creedal format which is very much a confessional (laughs) principle I guess yeah so do we have to believe everything in the confessions in order to be a Lutheran well I probably wouldn't start from the point of view of every individual person but perhaps from the perspective it's better to look at it from the perspective of you know a congregation or the synod or a group of congregations or or the church as a whole um and then the question might be does this congregation or synod need to believe in everything in the confessions in order to be a lutheran and i guess that is the definition of being a lutheran church and so the question then for an individual is are you willing to belong to this community which lives out the christian faith on the basis of these confessions. Yeah. And, you know, also for the Lutheran Church of Australia, it does mean to hold to the Lutheran confessions. This is where you find them. So, yeah. 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 And do we have to agree with everything that it says, that the Book of Concord says? Well, I think there are people of all sort of stages in their faith, children and those who are, you know, theologians and, you know, lay people as well. And so it's it's really helpful to be familiar with the Book of Concord and at minimum, you know, definitely the small catechism is the basic, the most fundamental teachings of, of our faith and what we believe. And Martin Luther in that has made it really accessible for everybody to understand that teaching, I guess. And, um, and then, you know, that there are definitely lots of people, lay people, as well as anyone who wants to go into further theological studies they might want to dive deeper into the into the book concord just to really understand and wrestle with the church you know through the ages on all sorts of matters you know you find lots of commentary around various heresies and also just confusions and differences of opinion like you know you've got the heresies from the ancient church there's the Arian heresy and teachings of Nestorius and Pelagian heresy and all these things and they still come up today and then you also have the new some of the more modern ones that have kind of even sprung out of the Lutheran the reformers like the Calvinists and you know and Anabaptists and they are also touched touched on here as well as um, distinctions between the Lutheran church and the Roman church of that time so it's just I think it's helpful history and it's also um, helpful to learn the terminology that we use and and others other churches might use as well so yeah yeah. and you're allowed to wrestle that's a word that I think we need to use more often is you are allowed to wrestle with these things and dig into these things and you even see of course you see the people in the bible they wrestle with god when Mm. he presents them with a truth and they either have a difficulty understanding this truth or they don't necessarily like it 
you are allowed to wrestle. You are allowed mm-hmm. to ask your pastor about it. And I guess, um, you know, the Book of Concord is a reflection of the church wrestling with things. And I actually find a lot of comfort in that because, you know, we look at problems that our church faces today and, you know, we we ask ourselves, how do we work through this? Mm -hmm. And in the Book of Concord, it actually shows you, you know, lately with the formula of Concord, for instance, it shows you the different views of the two main Lutheran group bodies that were groups of thought that were sort of, you know, working out how they can work together. And, and you know, we, we've, we've done this today, like even in our Lutheran Church of Australian history, the Thesis of Agreement was a similar document that was produced, no doubt modelled from the Book of Concord, just confessing our faith, renewing our confession based on the time and the issues of the day. So, you know, we keep doing this and it's actually like a a guide, I guess, um, to keep confessing the same Christian faith in every time and place. Yeah, and yeah. the theologians that wrote the Book of Concord, they spent years wrestling with all these subjects and issues, and that. And I guess that's kind of where, when they looked and dug into Scripture, that's what they came out with in the end. So reading it is like reading someone else's uh, summary of what they. <laughs> Yeah, came out with after wrestling with it for years, and I think it's you know it's also important to note like this that this is a book of the church, it's the confessions of the church as a as a whole, and um, some of the documents, say for instance, like the Augsburg Confession and the Apology, is written by Philip Melanchthon, and then you've got a bunch of you know Luther pieces in there, and they are written by people, but I guess there's this sort of idea of subscribing to it and signing it and saying this is we share this belief like it becomes more than a book in a way (laughs) but also you know we always have to just remember that it's not actually like this is just what we teach about the faith that's in scripture it's and scripture still is that primary authority this is just how we hold ourselves together as a church body um, and stay in unity I guess on the on the core matters so yeah and so the other thing I guess is really helpful to think about too is that you only actually have doctrine on matters that are dealt with in scripture so you know there's this idea of adiaphora, well, adiaphora is a term that's used in the Book of Concord, which is it's used to describe things that are neither commanded nor forbidden by God, and that's because there's no clear, it's not clearly addressed in Scripture. And so there's this principle that everything that's actually in the Book of Concord is doctrine that's scripturally based. So there is a lot of room for, I guess, um, opinion perhaps on, on matters that aren't scriptural and we could you give an example of something that's adiaphora so i know in the book of concord adiaphora is often referred to in terms of um ceremonial and so worship or worship practices or church practices and so an example would be something like whether the piano is played or the organ you know that's adiaphora (laughs) like that's a good example you know um or a drum or a you know depending on the country the various resort musical resources that are available you know and people are able to play that kind of thing i guess yes um yeah yes the bible doesn't tell us exactly which instruments are allowed in the church and which ones aren't (laughs) correct so so that's up to um church discretion and again you know whatever is good for the and and you know there's room for the church to work out those things but it's not doctrine it's just not a matter of doctrine that's all you know yeah 
So is there room for questions or different opinions? How tightly do we have to hold on to it? I think it's helpful just to keep remembering, um, you know, what they're trying to, you know, going back to that doctrine thing, like doctrine. So like I had a class today, we were talking about the doctrine of God and the doctrine of the Trinity, you know, and talking about how much we talk about the three persons of the Trinity and there is the whole doctrine of God and there is the Trinity in there, you know, how it's three persons and how much we go into those different distinctions. And so, like, theologians will always have conversations (laughs) and look into the history of theology on who said what about the Holy Spirit. Like, so maybe it's pneumatology, like just the teaching on the Holy Spirit that the church has and there's always going to be questions. There's always going to be room for the conversation and they're going to perhaps make new discoveries and then probably maybe even find new ways to communicate that doctrine. But these things do change. Like in the creeds, we have a history of there was confusion about the person of Christ and that's in the Book of Concord quite a bit. Was he, how did his two natures work? Was he fully God, fully man, like we believe that he was fully God, fully man. But, you know, there were different ideas going around that he was subordinate to the Father. These, you know, uh, can, does his humanity um, impact, you know, the divinity of God? Like, and, you know, these sorts of questions. And so they, those creeds were prepared to sort of settle some of those contentions if you will. So they have, have always been questions and there will continue to be. <laughs> it's just the way we yeah. are, I think. Not, yeah. not not having perfect knowledge this side of heaven, I guess. Yeah. And what would you recommend we do if we've got some questions or we don't quite understand something or we disagree with something in the Book of Concord? Well, I guess um, find somebody that you can have a conversation with about that. Perhaps it's your pastor. Perhaps you want to do some study in the Book of Concord. I guess it depends on what it is. Like if you have one a particular question that's just burning for you, say it's on baptism, like you can go to the index and there's quite a few different references to baptism throughout the whole Book of Concord. Mm. You could talk to your pastor about that. There's also plenty of books as well. Yeah, and I guess wrestle and pray with that, about that. Yeah, yeah. The church is also a body who helps everyone grow in the faith. And so, yeah, to use the resources that God has given you is is a good direction, I think. I would just ask questions and I feel like my questions just naturally get answered. Well, not naturally, but with the help of the Holy Spirit get answered because sometimes I just can't rest until I have grappled with something. And yeah, that's it. Ask questions. Asking questions yeah. is good, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And it's great when you can find people that can help you. Yeah. 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 And I think we need to be open to having questions asked in the church as well yes. because there seems to be a bit of a pendulum that I've seen where when questions are asked, it, they can either be shut down as if asking questions is it's voodoo and, oh, you can't do that. But then on the other side, it can swing the other way of the pendulum where it's, oh, yes, you know, it's just think what you want to think and believe what you want to believe. It's all accepted. And yeah, there definitely needs to be a balance when it comes to the church dealing with questions. Well, I guess it depends on the spirit in which the questions are asked. Like, you know, if you genuinely want to understand the faith, 
and you know you trust that the word of god is truth <laughs> yeah you know and if that's the, your starting point and your your desire is to have your mind renewed by the holy spirit then i think that that journey is fair and if you know if you're honest i think that, that that's a, a very important part of the question you know yep. the process of, of yep. finding that mm. but you know there will be some things that we just can't fully understand like the relationship between the members of the trinity like we 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 only get so much given to us by god's revelation and um in in the word and we just have to be okay with that <laughs> like we don't creatures. have to know the ins and outs of every every no. single thing yeah there's enough evidence historically scripturally to show us that yes this faith is true yeah and so there's enough evidence to believe the word of god is true Mm-hmm. And so when we do come across doctrines that we cannot fully grasp or understand this side of heaven, we can trust the Bible, so therefore we can trust this doctrine. Yeah. And I think a lot of stuff that's distinctively Lutheran in the Book of Concord is around church practice probably. So, you yeah. know, our teaching on baptism and the sacrament, and I, I would probably say that the things that, you know, the Baptists would differ with us on and and you know we differ from many protestant churches on the sacrament and, and even the roman catholic church and so just to have that laid out and you know if you're coming from a church body that has held a differing view may be important to you because that's a question that you need to reconcile for, for your conscience's sake that you know you can work through that and and i think on those core matters like how we receive God's grace through Christ. Yeah, that's very clear in the Book of Concord and that I guess that's the important stuff. Yeah, yeah. and Lexi and I both um, have come into the Lutheran Church from other places and we've been very excited to learn uh, the theology and the confessions and the beliefs, but we found there's many Lutherans who have not read the confessions or actually a lot of them are not even aware of them. Um, yeah, is this a problem? Well, I guess, I mean, like you, no doubt. I mean, I just think they're missing out. Like, why wouldn't you want to know more about yeah. God and his gifts and the life he has for us in Christ? I guess the question isn't what do you have to know to be a Lutheran, but why wouldn't you want to know more of the gifts God has for you? And um, I don't know, sometimes I feel like coming into the Lutheran church, like, and you know, I've spent time working in the church and I'm I just, you know, see these people who have grown up in the faith. I'm like, you don't know the treasures you have. Like, mm. this is yes, so wonderful. And you don't understand how people like just don't get the free gift of grace in mm. Christ. And, <laughs> you know, they, they're working for it. Like, they're working for it in some way. They're only trying to earn their salvation in some way. And, you know, I'm not saying that, like, I, <laughs> I feel like I'm also on a bit of a journey right now I'm trying to, wrestle with some stuff to do like I'm quite interested in in the Christian life and um Mm -hmm. and the role of I guess the law in our Lutheran history um and how that helps us and how we've understood that in in our more modern recent history like the antinomian issues and stuff like that which is being anti-law and polarizing the law and gospel dynamic and not seeing the law as good Mm, um so well, you know, we have this problem too where we, I think sometimes as Lutherans, we, we love our justification. We love that we we have grace in Christ, God's grace through Christ, but we sometimes forget 
how does that change everything <laughs> and yes. um and, and just sort of working through that stuff and it's there's a lot there and maybe that's a conversation for another day but yeah I think um sorry I just lost my train of thought <laughs> the rooster <laughs> I love the, I love the rooster you have to yeah. get that you have to get a standby of the rooster to um just yes <laughs> Yeah, yeah. it's part of the reason why we started this podcast as well is just to help women to realise what a treasure there is in their faith and in the Lutheran confessions and just to help people discover it a little bit more because we're so excited about it. (laughs) Yes, and there's so much beauty in our Lutheran distinctives. Mm. And even on the things that are adiaphora, mm. and this is something that I have seen a few people wrestle with, is letting go of the Lutheran distinctives. And I'm thinking, like, why do you want to stop singing hymns in church? Why do you want to stop singing Lutheran hymns in church? Why do you want to get rid of some of the things that are just so beautifully, traditionally Lutheran, as someone who has come from a place that didn't have any of that, coming into the Lutheran church, there was so much peace and beauty. And it's really sad when people feel the need to actually get rid of some of that. Well, and you know, I guess too, like when I think about the, you know, if you want to use like a confessional principle with, well, I don't know, principle, (laughs) there is actually a confessional principle which is to do with subscribing to the confessions but what I mean like a creedal or if you believe that everything you do is confessional like yes you are confessing your faith when you say the creed you are confessing your faith when you show that you put your trust in if you love and trust God you know you're confessing your faith when you help your neighbor and you know you're confessing your faith when you sing hymns that are about these things like they all kind of reinforce each other and I guess when you say the beauty of the hymns yeah like we have a lot of hymns that have some beautiful substance they testify to this faith and um, it's not just about how I feel (laughs) or you know just and I guess there is that hymnal tradition where the hymns are confessing the faith they're singing the faith it's a creed yes um yeah and that's quite beautiful yeah, yeah, it might not seem very exciting or modern or interesting the from the outside, but it, there's such a depth and such a richness and just really proclaiming this is who we are, this is what we believe in, this is what God has done for us. And, yeah, why would you not want that? <laughs> you know, when you think about worship as well, like the whole service is a confession of faith as well, yeah. you know, and, yes, yeah, some people don't know the Book of Concord article by article, but they may not realise that every time they go to church they're practising the church as it's written in the Book of Concord as the place where we gather yeah. to hear the word and receive the sacraments. And Yeah, and the service is meant to be the gospel story played out or reenacted a little bit as well yeah by the end of it you should remember what Christ has done for you yeah not so much what you're doing for him (laughs) yes Uh, yeah and that's like the idea of the divine service like it yeah God meets us in his word and sacrament we receive absolution through the stead of the pastor gives that to us in the stead of Christ and you know that's practicing our doctrine of justification at the very beginning of the service so that we can enter 
to hear God's word where two or more are gathered. Yeah. So I don't know. I quite enjoy. <laughs> and I, you know, and I guess, yeah, when people start throwing out aspects of the liturgy, you know, we have to just think about what we're losing. Mm because it can be done a bit too lightly at times. Yes. We need to be proud of this tradition, mm. of our Lutheranism, and we need to enjoy it. I do think, um, you know, education is a big part of the Lutheran tradition as well. Like, you know, yeah. Martin Luther wrote the catechisms for, you know, even teaching like the large catechism was written because pastors themselves didn't understand what they were teaching, what they should be doing in church <laughs> and yep. how they should be running worship. And this was all put together in a time where people were not necessarily literate. They'd be reciting these things through the... They wrote you know, it so that every single person could understand it really simply. Yeah. Yeah. Whether they could read or write or not. That's right. So, you know, and, and you know, we, we shouldn't think that we're above education, like every generation needs to be taught. Um, and I think that is probably part of our problem these days, that we don't think it needs to be taught perhaps as much as it ought to and recited and memorised and, mm. you know. So for those who would like to dig a bit deeper into what the Lutheran Church believes, where would you recommend that they start? So... There are lots of helpful guides on the Confessions or the Book of Concord. Um, I have one by, I think it's by Concordia Publishing House, and it has actually has like reading guides in it. I think also um, the Treasury Daily Prayer mm -hmm. also has daily readings and sort of just touches on, you know, it doesn't touch on every single detail, but the big articles, I guess, you'll cover if you follow a reading guide like that in your private reading. I think it's it's good to become familiar with the Book of Concord, especially the large catechism is Luther sermons, catechetical sermons that it was written based on his catechetical sermons. So that's just a little bit deeper as well. Um, the other thing is, yeah, talk to your pastor, ask to have a, a study run or it could be a theme in a Bible study or something like that, a small group study. Yeah, and further study as well is also, I mean, I just got to take a class called Creeds and Confessions with Dr. Robert Kolb, who's written so many books on yep. the history and, and you know, he's a real storyteller and he'll tell you all the different conversations that were happening between all the different yes. parties at the time. And so if you want to get, if you've got a history and appreciation for history, then there are just some great books in that yeah. as well. For anyone that doesn't happen to have a Book of Concord lying around at home, uh, you can access the whole Book of Concord online for free mm, as well. It is, you? yeah. There's even apps. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, like, for our listeners, don't be afraid of reading the Book of Concord mm. because it's just so thick and there's so much in it. I mean, there are some really good reader's editions out there and I'm currently working through it myself. And there are moments where I think, wow, this is just brilliant and there are moments where I laugh out loud because Luther can be so funny <laughs> he says things and I just laugh yeah. and um he's not politically correct yeah. and he's got that German humor for you it's good <laughs> I'm yeah. interested to know um yeah like what you've been enjoying in the book of Concord Lexi what have you been reading well at the moment I have just about started I finished the Ten Commandments I finished the Lord's Prayer Apostles Creed sorry the, I'm going through the large catechism mm -hmm, I'll start mm -hmm. there yep. um, I'm mm -hmm. going through that again so I'm about to start almost finish the part on baptism and it's just really beautiful to go over this stuff again 
just to see Luther's heart for the people yeah. come out in Concord, his heart for making people see that scripture is for them, even if they can't read, even if they are a poor servant somewhere, like this is for them. Mm. Yeah, just seeing his heart for the people come out and also seeing his his frustration <laughs> with some of the people, some of the leaders in the church out there and, mm. um, yeah, his boldness. So I really do enjoy that about Concord, but also yeah. just some of his explanations are so simple and it just helps to understand the scripture and to understand what we believe as Lutherans. Yeah, I think um, the large catechism, it's a real joy to read and can just go just that bit deeper, you know, mm-hmm. to really explore who God is or what does it mean to feel love and trust, all those sorts of, he just sort of explores those things a bit more. When I think of the articles, like it can get a bit, um, especially in the apology, like that's Philip Melanchthon and it's quite, goes through a lot of arguments, you know, and so yeah, it's interesting from a rhetorical point of view how to sort of weigh things up and work out the quality of of a issue or a concern. Or yeah, Luther's definitely got that pastoral tone, and I think that's definitely more yeah. accessible to the lay person yeah. for sure. And another thing that really stood out to me is this is actually an accusation against the Bible, but I've also heard it against Concord as well. In that, oh well, that was written hundreds of years ago or for the Bible, that was written thousands of years ago. Things are different now. Things have changed. But reading through the large catechism, Luther actually describes what society was like. And I was so surprised. And I went into my husband who was in the office and I said, listen to this. And I read it to him. And I said, that sounds so much like society today. (laughs) (laughs) I wish things had changed. (laughs) I wish people had changed. (laughs) Yeah, I guess the book of concord and the bible like if you believe <laughs> that it's the word of god like it just changes everything it's doesn't really matter when it was written if it's yeah <laughs> in some ways yes culture was different back then in many ways but in many ways it's the same it's so similar we're still struggling with the same sins we're still struggling yeah. with these different things in society well, you know and that's like paul when it's a Ephesus and there's all the various pagan temples, rituals, practices that were happening then, you know, and then they'd sort of various practices would then come into the Christian community and then they have to deal with it. And in a sense, like the Book of Concord is is all about the Christian community. It's yeah. not necessarily about the world alone. Like, you know, it's about trying to find peace, concord and within the body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Kim, for coming on today and teaching us and our listeners a little bit more about the Book of Concord and what you've been learning and digging into. We've really enjoyed having you on today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Do you struggle with taking care of your stuff? Do you get overwhelmed by the amount of possessions in your home? In the next episode, we will be talking with Sal Huckle from Melbourne about minimalism and simple living. Sal is a pastor's wife and mum of six children. She will not only share her story of how she and her family became more minimal, but she will also talk about the theological and biblical foundation for living without excess possessions. Don't forget to check out the show notes for information and links relating to today's episode. You can find Here She Stands on Facebook and Instagram or you can email us at hereshestands.podcast at gmail.com. 
If you would like to sign up to our newsletter, download our episode transcripts, or find out more about us, head on over to our website at hereshestands.online. Until then, we pray that you will hold fast to God's word and confidently say, here I stand, I can do no other. Thank you.